Oh, nothing. Just ready for a great show on our YouTube channel, on our podcast channel, on all the social media channels that we broadcast on. Welcome to the Unleashed Voice radio show. We're live from Memphis, Tennessee. You have yours truly. You have GQ Clemens, and we have a special guest, and we're just ready to have a great conversation on tonight. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Look. Do you have a rant today? Yeah, let's talk about um, Putin, Trump, these young kids who may have to go to war. My little cousin Mookie 
And some more people I know who are in the military, they may be subjected to this war that Putin and Russia have been uh, uh, meddling with Ukraine since 2014. It's just, it's a mess. People have died already. Um, Putin has threatened other countries with a mass nuclear attack if they get involved. And it's just a lot going on in the world right now. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know what to say. It's just sad in the times we're in, we're about to, we're, we're in a war and it may be World War Three. Yeah, it's it's unprecedented. And, uh, you know, it's like right now, right in our own land, we got individuals in position that's kind of like encouraging in this war, mm -hmm. like Donald Trump and Fox News. And it seems as if they, instead of uh, getting behind Biden and um, trying to help him, they are really down, downplaying this his presidency and the, the Democratic Party about their efforts and the things that he's done or haven't done. And people don't really understand that Biden hasn't even really been in the office. It's like a year now. And he's picking up on a lot of things that Trump already had in place, who's like really in the behind the scenes cheering uh, Putin. And a lot of people understand that China and Russia have formed an alliance, like two superpowers, and they want to control um, the, the the paradigm of who's the superpower now. And so what's really frightening is that a lot of people don't really remember, you know, when the Soviet Union failed and that Putin was part of the KGB at the time when they failed. So it's as if he wants to reform that whole region again. And it's a lot of resources in Ukraine. Gasoline. Yeah, that I didn't know about. Oh, everything. All kind of minerals, ore, iron, uh, 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 what is it? Aluminum. I mean, coal and where it's positioned. And it's one of the largest countries over there. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, and if we could go, if they could go in and take that area and the Baltic Sea, then they coming out to Poland and all those other uh, surrounding parts of Europe that used to be part of the Soviet Union and China sitting there licking their fingers because people, all of the news outlets are predicting that they're going to attack Taiwan next mm -hmm. if the United States and the NATO NATO doesn't do anything. But the crazy part is that Ukraine is not part of NATO. Yeah. So we really can't do anything but those other countries are. So it's frightening and you know there's never been a war on the U.S. soil before and i think that's one of the things that they want to do this time is attack the united states on our soil fight on our land lord have mercy i hope that doesn't happen but anywho we're gonna bring our guest in tonight and um chop it up a little bit and get into this topic because i want to know who taught y'all what y'all what y'all know <laughs> Come on in, brother. Come on in tonight. <laughs> Just like poof, like. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, and help us um, hope our people and educate right. our people. Right. And, you know, just spread knowledge far and wide from, we all the way to Cal in California to Tennessee. We gonna That's touch it. a whole bunch of states coming through here, baby. <laughs> That's how far. That's how far the word goes. It's, it's global. It's global. 
we're so happy to have you tonight on the Unleashed Voice Radio Show. And we're gonna let you do your own uh introduction. You can uh be you can you can do your plug if you want to. Don't even have to be shameless about it. I ain't gotta it. hold back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. I'll keep it brief so we can get right into this conversation. My name is Dr. Dante Morrison. I hail from Los Angeles, California. I just got my PhD in global leadership from Pepperdine University. And the topic of my dissertation or the focus of my study was the impact of faith-based sexual exclusion upon the lives of black Christian men who have sex with men. And what I really did was just unpack um, the black church specifically in its approach to dealing with persons who you know, identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, but I really focused on black gay men. Um, currently, I am the associate director of HIV prevention services at APLA Health. Um, I am a minister at Church One Ministries in Long Beach. Um, I am the host of the Dante Show that comes on Facebook Live and YouTube every Monday and Tuesday. Um, man, I do so many other things, but that's just the crux of what I will focus on on tonight. I am humbled and honored to have been asked to come and just have this conversation because I believe it is so important for us right now in this dispensation in time to really start critically examining you know, the Black church's effects upon those persons who identify as LGBTQ. You know, um, it's so important that the Black church begins to realize their place within Black culture and, and how, how damaging words can be. And I'm sure we're going to get into all of that. So I'm going to step back and let y'all take the lead. <laughs> hey, listen, um, you made me tired. I said, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, you know, this whole uh, uh, having your hand in, uh, on a whole lot of things. And, and, you know, for me, that's just how God works. Yeah. Because we started out with one thing, which was just a radio show seven years ago. And this thing, it ventured over into a magazine. It went to a nonprofit. And now we do a pearl and we do speaking engagements. It's just like God was just like, okay, I want, you, you know, just opening doors right so, and i understand you know when you laid out everything i definitely understand your journey and i applaud mm -hmm. you because it's definitely not easy people look at it like it's easy but it's definitely not easy at all and, and same to you i've been i've been following y'all for a while i mean i get the i get the the magazine delivered to my job so you know i've been watching y'all do this and watching the empire build you know just really build so hats off to you both as well yeah, and you've been uh you've written for us a couple of times. You've been yeah published writer, so we really thank you for that connection. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, let's dive into this thing. So uh, our topic tonight, and this is part three of our series of who taught you that, and mm -hmm. and mainly what we're talking about uh is that being same gender loving or transgender or gender non-conforming is a sin mm -hmm. and we know where a lot of it start from and it started from biblical texts and how errant theology has been taken out of context well errant theology period and how it's been passed down through the years and just kind of like the history of how it started and it sits right there in that big book called king james bible and how it has done a lot of damage to a lot of people. Come on in, David. Well, um, and also we want to show how this is a uh, intersectional with 
the black folk struggle back in the 60s and how Malcolm X uh, coined hit that great speech, uh, who taught you to hate yourself in 1962 behind uh, the issues that were going on in America and how his exposure to Mecca opened his eyes to for him to see that our people and he was taught to hate them, hate himself by somebody. And so within our community, someone taught us to hate ourselves, even if it's our family, our church, uh, society. So all of this stuff, race, sexuality, the struggles are intersectional. And so that's why we base this uh, topic off of that, because I love some of the teachings of Malcolm X and I dislike some of the teachings of Malcolm X. So uh, but that speech, who taught you to hate yourself, was so impactful. And so tonight, as she just said, we want to just dive into this subject about the Bible and homosexuality and how misinterpretation of scripture and the lack of education, uh, theological education of these black pastors has tormented our black people and has led, I'm going to say this, to a high percentage of mental illness, a high percentage of HIV and AIDS and STDs and STIs. Uh, because when you pay with my psyche, I go out here and live reckless because mm -hmm. I don't know myself anymore. Because you told me I was going to hell because I sleep with somebody. Mm -hmm. So you have contributed to that. So let's just dive into this thing and um, let's just talk about how the Bible and homosexuality has shaped our outer being, inner being, and taught us to uh, ultimately hate ourselves. Because I know a point in my life, I hated myself because of what my pastor said. Mm -hmm. So you got the mic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I love how you, you you started laid the foundation because it's also important that we go back further than the 60s and just really examine where did the black church come from? You know, and, and within my mm -hmm. dissertation, I really unpacked that and went to the core. And I think a lot of people that go to the black church haven't even understood the origin of the black church. You know, where did the black church come from? It just wasn't like poof pow. Here we are. There was some struggles and challenges with the formation of the black church. And what we must also accept, realize and understand is the black church came from white Christian beliefs. It came from a white Christian approach. And, and I, I use critical race theory to really just dissect this. And people were like, well, how are you tying critical race theory into this? And that's about white supremacist influence. I'm like, well, within the black church, there is white supremacist influence. And when we talk about that, people be like, whoa, Dante, hold on. What are you talking about? If we look at the black church, and the formation of the black church. It only came about because blacks were tired of sitting in the balconies of the white church. We have been poured, we have ran to the white church. We're being fed Christianity from a white, different kind of approach, you know. And then we basically took Christianity, we tied into our African culture where we learned in Africa, and then that's where we get the praise, the dance, the shouting, and all that. That's from Africa. You know, that's, that's Africa, period. How we praise God, how we approach God, how we celebrate God, that is the core of Africa that is in us, that is coming out. And we infused our African spirituality in with Christianity, and here we got the Black church. So they formed it basically because they were sick of white folks saying, yeah, y'all can come to our church, but you got to sit up top. 
Sit up top. And when you sit up top, sit up there and be quiet. Don't get in the way, but y'all can come. We never talk about the hush harbors that were created on the plantations where the slaves would sneak away into the wilderness and have their own spiritual awakening, their own spiritual release. They would have that in these hush harbors. We don't talk about that. And most black Christians have not taken the time to really say, well, where did this all start? Where did this all start? Why are we, why are we looking at a white Jesus? Why are we praising a white Jesus? Why does Jesus not look like me? So therefore, when you have put Jesus, the face of Jesus is the same as the face of your oppressor. Well, that makes you feel you need the white man to gain access to God because imagery is everything. So I'm looking at this blonde haired, blue eyed Christ. And then I see the blonde haired, blue eyed master. So since they look the same, I must have to go through this to get to God. Where is the Christ that looks like me, you know? And when I talk like this, people are like, well, hold on. So are you, wait a minute, are you Christian? Yes, I am Christian. I am Christian to the core. I love the black church. I love going to church. I can play a tambourine. Of course I can, I'm gay. So it's like, we have all this stuff that, that holds us and builds us and, and equips us spiritually, but the core of it all, we have not unpacked it to get to a place where we can kind of reconcile why people act a certain way. You know, a piece of me, I used to be angry at pastors that gay bashed and, and did all that kind of stuff. And I would, I want to fight them and I was mad at them. And I was like, I'm not going to church no more. Church hurt, you know. But then as I got more educated, I realized that they're acting out of ignorance and they're acting because generationally what has been passed down is this biblical understanding that it really is not rooted in scriptural texts. Right. You know, some of the stuff does not align. And when we start unpacking all that, it's like, well, there are some contradictions in there that we must accept and we must be able to sit down and have healthy discourse about. But we haven't we haven't done that yet. So a lot of gays that I've come in contact with, they're traumatized. And mm -hmm. I try to help them realize I get your trauma. I understand your trauma, but don't take your trauma out on God. Mm -hmm. You know, because God and the church are two totally different things all together. You know, so I'm going to stop right there and let y'all jump on up in here. No, listen, listen, I love it. And I mean, that was one of the reasons that I reached out to you, because I remember when you got your degree and you posted your dissertation on LinkedIn. I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, you know, that's <laughs> like right down our alley because we, you know, and so for us, it's, it kind of wears you down, right? Because yeah. we also have a church. And we also ordain in ministries. And we've been talking about this since the inception of our church, 2012. So we kind of get wore out. Like, we still talking about this, y'all? You know, and it's like you are really trying to implore your, your members, your community to help them understand that you are not an abomination. Mm -hmm. You are not going to hell. You know, people can't take one scripture and quote it to you and apply it to you and it stick like glue to define who you are as an individual. Right. And, and even we bring in people today, uh, we bring in people from seminary school to come in and talk to our members and to our communities, such as people as yourself, so that they don't think we have a vested interest to tell them that gay is okay because we are also same gender loving. No, that's right. not the case. We're telling you how 
I was also in conflict with my spirituality and my sexuality. Mm -hmm. I was incomplete, but I made a, a decision. I was like, okay, God, this going to come down between me and you <laughs> when we meet. Because right. if I do anything other than be honor who I am, then I'm living a lie. And if you know me, you know, you knew me, the scripture said before I was here, then you got to know that I'm lying, right? I mean, I mean, I always, I'm looking at, okay, so John 3.16 says, whosoever, right. whosoever believeth on him. There was not a whosoever with a caveat. It was whosoever believeth in him. So if I believe in him, however I identify, right. then therefore I should have access to the kingdom, correct? When did we start putting all these exceptions behind the word of God? You know, and it's and it seems like unfortunately that when it comes to sexual identity, sexual behavior, all that, because it is so complex to those who don't understand it, it's the easiest thing to target. You know, I once asked a pastor, I was like, okay, so am I going to hell for being gay or am I going to hell for having sex with men? Because you're assuming that because I'm gay, I'm also having sex. So what if I'm celibate or what if I'm abstinent, but I know that when I do engage, it will be with the same gender. Which one am I going to hell for? Oh, well, you know, uh, I'm like, help me understand this because, you know, you are a married man. And I'm sure if a beautiful woman walks by, you don't turn a blind eye to her. You look at her. You still have lust of the eye, you know. So what, what, what does this all mean? So help me understand that when I ask that, I'm still waiting for the answer, by the way. But I did ask the question, am I going to help for being gay or for having sex? Because they think that all gay people do is go around and just have sex. And a lot of gay folks ain't having sex. We got bills. We got things to do. <laughs> I got student loans. I ain't got time to be out there doing carrying on and whatnot. You know, but but like 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 Davin said. Many people who, when they feel hopeless, if I'm going to hell anyway, I'm going to bust it wide open. You know, and you have to realize that I'm really going to mess some people up. I love God. I'm a Christian. But black folks, I saw somebody say this, and I think like this sometimes. Well, all the time now since I've been exposed. Black folks, we hate everything about slavery except Christianity. <laughs> and you a Christian. Hello. <laughs> hey, they hate everything about slavery except Christianity. And that's what we were taught, like you just said. But, you know, that internalized homophobia is something else. Mm -hmm. And that has they said it was a study done. They said children, when they reach the age of 12, they really start to identify and you know, you know feel their bodies and understand that they are attracted to the same sex or whatever they're going through. And so. Just imagine at 12 telling your mama or daddy you like Barbie dolls or you want to be like um, Dwayne Wade child. Z is it Zion? Zaya. Zaya. Just imagine a quote unquote normal family hearing that and what that child has to go through if they say no. And so it's just a lot of damage, like you just said, ignorance. Uh, that we as black folk, we have to do a better job in handling and dealing with because we are really killing mm -hmm. our people. Suicide rate is going up. Mm -hmm. You know, not I mean, I'm not even gonna talk about LGBT suicide rate, just suicide period for black men has gone up. 
mm-hmm. and just throw LGBT on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so much damage that we're doing and we're still fighting this same fight. And when the white man is running circles around us, acquiring more money, more mm-hmm. land, more property, they're thinking about economics and we're still fighting about seven damn scriptures in a book that's been passed down for generation, generation and stories been torn out and we're fighting about a damn book. But I like how you talked about intersectionality earlier, you know, black, gay, then you throw in HIV, mm-hmm. then you throw in trauma, then you throw in all these other aspects. How do we expect anyone to navigate that healthily? Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's already the aversion within the black community to go into any kind of therapy because yes. all we need is Jesus. But yes. if we're being told that Jesus doesn't accept us, what good is going to talk to a therapist going to do? So Period. let me just deal with all this on my own, which Period. to be honest, I'm not capable of doing because I was never given the tools to mentally unpack all that I am dealing with. Yes. You know, because I've trained myself to live in a way where I can somewhat be society accepted, you know, so I camouflage Everything mm-hmm. about me that may turn someone away from me because I don't want to be rejected anymore. So now mm-hmm. I'm walking around with this air about me and hating anyone that represents what's really me on the inside. Period. And not knowing that that queer virtue that you have is a gift from God. Period. about being queer. And that, that covers the LGBT plus elemental P all the above. But that queer virtue is something to have because they realize what we have before we have it and realize. Mm-hmm. And that's why they try to tear us down and uh, oppress us and traumatize us because they know if we ever figure out, I said this last week, that we are a God, we're going to be unstoppable. Well, that's also why they brought us here in the first place. Hello. Because they saw what we did over there. They saw the Wakanda and said, well, hey, let's trick them into believing that they're less than, take them to the new world, and then use all the stuff that's innately within them. It's it's in us. Already. Us how to do anything. It was already in us to do it. You know, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, it was there. So they already knew we were the dominant. But like you said, they, who, who told us that we were not, you know, the head and not the tail, that we were not we were beneath and not above? Who told us? Well, that, that, was like, that was like the whole the whole gist of the topic, like, and to help people understand, because y'all, y'all went there. I wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad y'all did. And when you start oh, talking to. about when you start talking about, you know, who we are as a people, right? And you talk, you touched on our, our ancestry, our African roots. And that was one of the things that Christianity definitely took away from us. They 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 had to have it in order to even talk about Jesus, because you're in the Middle East, okay, over there anyway, Egypt and all these particular places. But they also had to paint the narrative, like you said earlier, to make Jesus look like them, white hair, blue eyes, you know, white blue eyes, blonde hair, was no way it could happen living in that region of the, at that time before they started having uh, sex with us. So, uh, um, Raping us. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it wasn't nothing intimate about it. Hello. <laughs> I, I people, you know, knew God like way before the Europeans did. Knew yeah. God. Even okay. before they, they introduced uh, this, the cross. You know, we, we, we on a the 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 uh the ark the ark 
America didn't invent blacks. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, you know. I mean, and, 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 for, and for some strange reason, people think blacks just started when we landed in America. When we were enslaved, that's where we came from. America did not invent black mm. people. You know, we, we were here. We were in existence. We're part of history. We're part of the annals of what God created. You know, there were Native Americans here already. And then for some strange reason, some people think that, well, you know, your history really starts when you landed, you know, in America. No, no. And, and American history teaches that. So our young Black kids, they're not empowered. They're mm. not informed. Now, can you imagine if Black clergy all across America, all across America started preaching started preaching against white supremacy and about where blacks are within the Godhead. Can you imagine what would happen if they if they took out all the misteachings, all the misinterpretations, all the misquoted scriptures and really start teaching black Christians about themselves in Christ? To be like, listen, this is what we are all about. When you ever, when you, and I always talk about this, watch an award show. Whenever a white person wins an award, the last person they think is God. But whenever a black person wins, we got to shout, we got to holler, we got to point up, we got to grab the cross. We got to do all these theatrics because our approach to Christ is totally different. White people approach Christ from a, I'm doing this, I already know I'm there, but I'm gonna do this anyway. Black folks do it still from an oppressed mindset. God, I need you. God, please do, please, 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 please. Begging and pleading with God. It's a totally different approach because that's how we were taught. So we're pushing past an oppressive belief about Christianity, trying to reach a God that is looking at us like, why are you coming at me like this? I already got you, I've been at you. You know, but white folks don't do that. There is a privilege to this thing that we have yet to really talk about within the black community because there is an, an unwillingness to reject white supremacy within the black church. There's a complete unwillingness. If we just restructured the black church and made the black church black and got rid of everything, every tenant, every remnant of white supremacy, we would see a different approach to Christ. Well, you know, that's what that's kind of like the it's a movement now with the liberating theology, you know, where they're, they're coming from that and, and dissonating themselves. Like even at our church, we are, we're like Baptist, a little bit of everything, uh -huh. but we wear all of the, 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 the traditional robes, you know, or the Episcopalian church, you right. know, we wear the Cossack and the robes and the bishops and, you know, all of these dress attires and it has nothing to do with, connecting with your ancestry and who you are. And a lot of people really don't understand that. They don't understand the gist of how politics came into play with the Bible, the things that Constantine did, the things that they did in the Council of Trent and the Council of Nicaea. They don't understand how, how everything was socially constructed, even talking about pork and get down to um, it's being a, a, a masculine energy dominating the you know Bible and male patriarchy and how you know what what was going on three thousand years ago and just to help them understand that none of this stuff you know was really really pertaining to how it's being how it was taught to us and one thing I know for a lot of black people I, we have friends now that are still 
in the closet because they worried about what mama and big mama and all of them are going to say about them mm -hmm. if they come out, especially in the South. Like I told you earlier, we're in the Bible Belt, Memphis, Tennessee, Church of God in Christ reigns supreme around here and Southern Baptists. So, and it, you know, it's a slippery slope for a lot of people and just really not understanding or even they are fear and it has fear has been instilled to question God that you can't do those things. And, you know, we still are on a lot of taboo and a lot of uh, superstition in, you know, that dominates our lives. But the main thing that I want people to understand, especially to take away from this, this conversation, now he go, woo child, <laughs> I know, is let's just help people understand that they are not an abomination and that they're not a sin. Well, I think what you're what you're talking about is willful ignorance. Yeah, it's just willful ignorance. They just they just they don't want to know. They I don't agree. want to deal with it. I agree, and 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 this is about economics as well. Okay, if, that's in my dissertation. Go ahead, unpack it. It's about economics. If okay. the uh, lazy and I'm, they're gonna get mad at me, but I love my people. If these lazy black LGBT people pull their money out of these churches out of these businesses who do not accept them and start our own. My granddad always said separate but equal mess up the black folks because we had our own before they created separate but equal. And if we understand it's about economic money, 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 pull your money out. I guarantee they'll change their damn theology. They'll change their mind. They'll beg you. But the thing with that, the thing with that, let's just let's just say if you are, you know, a, a same gender loving individual and you're at a mega church and you're making a hundred K a year just playing the organ, you know, and then with the hypocrisy in leadership, if you got a pastor that says, listen, I know you're gay. I ain't got no problem with gay people, but I can never publicly say that. So you just play that organ, keep it under wrap between you and I, and you're going to get paid really well. Now, I mean, I don't know what's in y'all bag, but if you got somebody that's saying 100K just to keep my identity a secret, bet, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to let them shout. They're going to hoop. They're going to holler. I'm going to build the baddest choir. They're going to have the best praise team, and they will never know I'm gay, even though I am draped down with Tiffany bracelets. They will never know from my mouth that I am a homosexual. I will never admit to that. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that hypocrisy in leadership because they're bashing from the pulpit, but touching in the back offices and whatnot. And that needs to stop. So if you don't, my thing is this, if you don't like me because I'm gay, you know, and you profess that from the pulpit, please don't be in my DMs. I'm going to leave that's, that right there. That's Not a whole another conversation. That's another show. That is another show because uh, I like that word. Uh, uh, you said willfulness, ignorance, willful ignorance, willful ignorance. Willful ignorance. Willful ignorance. and I just don't. Uh, I do understand because I was there once, but our people. Um, I love my black LGBT people. I promise I do. But our people were lazy. I'm gonna put black folk in that as well. We are lazy because we know the we know the truth. We know the truth. But we're comfortable, we're content, we got a little bit, and so we don't give a damn about anybody else. We don't realize while we're living in our oppression, we're killing younger people, older people, 
other people who are connected with you because people live vicariously through you. And so we just have to realize that we have the power and we can do it. But like you just said, we're just ignorant. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, but I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push back a smidge because I'm gonna show you how how this works. And you went back. You went back to the to the '60s, which which I love. I love that. And then Gwen talked about Black liberation theology. And Reverend Reverend James Cole, he talked about that. Yes. And and if we examine the culture and the historical timeline of the Black Church, there was a season in there where women had to be seen and not heard. Yes. But then what happened? Women said, I can preach just like, if not better than you. Why must I be silenced? What's with all this oppression of women? Why do I got to sit back and wear this long skirt and always cook when I have a word in me too? God called me to preach. And when women started pushing the agenda, it's amazing how scripture rewrote itself to accommodate yep. that. Because yep. for a long time, that was biblically sustained. That argument was held up by biblical text until black women in church that was called anointed, qualified, said, "Nah, that's not what that scripture means. Enough is enough. And we saw the evolution of the, of the black woman in ministry. She became the elder. She became the pastor. She became the one that was running the church. She mm-hmm. was the head of men. Now, mm-hmm. some would say that's biblically out of order. It should be God, man, yada, yada, yada. But she was placed in position by God. So mm-hmm. now that we're in this new season where the same gender loving Christian is becoming more vocal, mm-hmm. it's like this is our list of demands mm-hmm. because we're tired of it. We're tired of burying our friends who've been hurt by the church. We're mm-hmm. tired of the suicide. We're tired of the depression. We're tired of all this. We're now coming together. Mm. And we're pushing back against this system because we have for so long seen all the destruction that the black church has caused the black SGL community. We love so let me, that. Let me, let, let me come back at you now. Let me push come back. Come on, I'm ready. Let's go. Why, why do I have to go to them to tell them all that and ask for their acceptance when we know this is about economics? Why we can't come together and build our own church? Why we can't come together, start our own community, start our own banks like we did during the uh, Jim Crow era or before the Jim Crow era. Why, why we just can't come together and realize this is about economics? Because we're fatigued. We are fatigued. We are fatigued. We t- Hello, the minute, the, when you started talking, I was like, oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> but we just got started. We are fatigued. We are so tired. You know, the black the black community as a whole is tired. Then you okay. go down to the other other tiers within the marginalized individuals are tired. You know, and then you gotta think about think about this. People always assume that just because you're black, saying you're loving, we all get along. We <laughs> can <laughs> unpack that. You know, we, we, you know, we have the lesbians over there. We got the black transgender woman over there. We got the black trans man over there. Then you got the black gay man. Then you got the levels of black gay man. You know, you got the femboy, you got the butch, you got the this. We can't all come together in our own community to figure that out, let alone Money. try to start our own churches and businesses and co-ops. Money is green. I don't give a damn if it come from Long with this green, let's get this money and build this empire because they are to the for clarity. 
You gonna hear me today? Listen, Doc. <laughs> and I get what you're saying, but at the same time, on the spiritual side of it, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that that are leaving churches prematurely. And they're going places where God did not send them, whether it be a gay church or a straight church. And I think I think some of us need to be in position to do the work that God needs us to do in that building for that time. I agree. You know, it's a lot of folks that they got that fight or flight and they run and then they run somewhere else and then make a mess over there. Then they run somewhere else and make a mess over there, never holding themselves accountable for any of the damage they're creating. You know, sometimes, you know, SGLs. We can we can become victims, you know, self-implied. It's well, like, well, I hurt you. You hurt yourself because you ain't sat still long enough to let God tell you what to do. You absolutely right. I mean, I did tell you we had a church, right? Uh, <laughs> so right. we've seen that revolving door, uh, and knowing that you know we're here in the, in the community since 2012 doing this work affirming inclusive i hate that word affirming um i hate to even put that definition on the front of it you know i just hate that uh but nevertheless people still feel within themselves that it's a sin mm -hmm. and you know they it, it's it's like cognitive dissident is like really just on their forehead. No matter what evidence, no matter what I tell you, no matter how I can take you and show you to help you understand cognitive dissidents would not let them take in this information. Right. And you know, and for me, uh, unlearning a lot of things that you were taught, it, it, it reminds me when Laura Hill put out her album, uh, The Miseducation of Laura Hill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and just how she unlearned all these things that she had been taught about being a black woman. And like for me, being same gender loving, unlearning all that thing, unlearning all those things and unpacking all those things. Oh, it was heavy. Mm -hmm. It was heavy for a while because you got to think about it. You've been hearing this. I almost curse. You've been hearing it since you were. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You've been hearing it since, man, you. A right. child, even even before it, it applied to you, you were hearing it in adult conversations. Well, it's connected to like Stockholm syndrome. A absolutely. You know, you're, you're you're oppressed and don't realize how oppressed you are. You're mm -hmm. like, I, I'm I'm sitting in this oppressed environment, and I become comfortable in my oppression, and I'm still serving, you know, the person that is oppressing me. You know, real talk. It's just like the scripture when this when um, Moses got everybody out of Egypt and they left. And a lot of them turned back because they wanted to go back to Pharaoh because it was comfortable there. They had food, they had housing, and you got us out here in right. this wilderness. I'm going back to Pharaoh. And it's just kind of like we see that a lot. They go back and they run to these churches and they hop around and they sit in there and they listen to it. They get sent to hell. And then they jump in your DM and they want you to come and save them and help them understand that they okay. Or uh, uh, or they reach out for other things, but they will not come to your congregation. Right. They, they, but they know you're here. They know you're doing the work. They know they can't understand your freedom. And we have this thing that I always say, freedom costs. Mm -hmm. Being out, being free, living your life, it costs. It costs a lot. Um, people have dissing themselves, even family members. 
you know, when I married my wife, I lost family members. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. So, but being free, it does cost. But it not not for me because I feel like they lost. Right. That, when the relationship severed, because I'm a good person. <laughs> well, we have to remember also, like we said earlier, our people have been so traumatized, uh, anxiety, low self-esteem, uh, all those uh, adjectives that goes with that. And a lot of us never get the professional help that we spoke about earlier. And we depend upon this Jesus only solely to heal us and we go through our entire lives until we reach a certain age and we never get that help we need so they go through lives being angry hating themselves hating other people dealing with bipolarism all the above and they don't know what to do and so we have to get our people some help because um uh trauma is real mm -hmm. and trauma kills spiritually mm -hmm. emotionally mentally and mm -hmm. so our people we must get out and let me go back. I believe all black folks are traumatized. So we have to get our some get our people some professional help in order to win this war uh, that we're in currently regarding our sexuality. I agree. I agree. And I think also what what also causes this this displacement with with yourself, you know, as a same gender loving Christian, is you're surrounded by folks that worship the Bible more than they worship God. So, so you're taught to put this book above God. You're taught to put the writings on this paper above God. And even if God tells you and gives you instructions, clear as day, if he speaks to you through that ass, you are still going to say, yeah, but that's not what the Bible says, God. <laughs> and, and God is like, well, well, wait a minute. You know, are you worshiping me or are you worshiping this book? And, and although the Bible is, is beautiful and the Bible sustains many of us, we cannot put the Bible above God. Yes. You know, because there are there are some interpretations. Like I said, there are some areas of conflict in the Bible that I'm looking like, God, you got to clarify what this means to me because I don't understand it fully. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that we're not taught. We're not taught early on how to build a relationship with God. We're taught how to read the book and use certain passages to navigate us through life, but we never talk to God. We solely use this book. And, and that worship of the Bible and that, that uplifting of the Bible above the God that we should be serving creates a lot of confusion in the mindsets of Christians who really need to work on a closer relationship with Christ. Oh, you know, I, ha I have this saying that if, if your Bible is the only thing that you read to understand God, now, I'm going to use David's word. You are lazy because you will never understand God Ever. if you stay in the Bible. You got to get out and you got to do some research and you got to go do some 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 biblical research to go back into this this 3000 years ago to understand this culture, these people and exactly what was going on in this region, what they were doing and all those things. And, you know, and I always tell them the, the whole gist of it is just really. God is love, period. period. If anything else comes at you and it's not of God, of love, it's not of God. So, and no man or no woman has any authority to send you to hell. Now you make it sound simple. Listen, they don't have that power. You uh, make it, it sound is, real simple. It, it, it's, it's in Corinthians. 
<laughs> you got to remember that uh, um, our people, like you just said before, have been traumatized and beaten down. And we make it sound so simple, but we have to remember that that uh, God saves us, not the Bible. Absolutely. And right. uh, as a witness, uh, the Bible is a, writ a book that's written by ancient people during ancient times uh, with very foreign assumptions. And so uh, we have to remember that we are gods and we don't realize that ultimately that we are gods and that you can get a fresh word and a fresh wind out of the Bible each time you pick it up. You can read the same scripture and right. over and over. Every time you pick it up, you'll get a fresh wind, fresh word. And so we have to realize that we have ultimately we have power that we don't recognize that we have because we are created in God's image. And until we realize that as black folk, uh, LGBT folk, uh, we're going to continue to go around in a 360 around that circle. And so until you were exposed to something else, that's when you're, you had your aha moment and your eyes were open. And so I think we need to get many, many of our people exposed to something else so they can have their aha moment in life and realize that they are free, they are loved, and that they are a God. So, Donta, how much of your research uh, into the black church uh, did you find out your discovery? How much did you discover doing your research about the black, the history of the black church? I discovered a lot when I really started to, to dig deep into other theologians that have tried to unpack the Bible and, and deliver the Bible in a way that would be more inclusive. And I saw the pushback that was oftentimes there because it was taking people out of, like Dagan said, their laziness and, and forcing them to really understand God from a different lens. But when we have been taught something, you really don't want to go against what grandmama or grandpa has said. You don't want to go against what the pastor has said, because we have to remember during the during, you know, the civil rights era and Jim Crow, the pastor was only the pastor and a respected black man inside the church sitting in the pew. Because once he stepped foot out that church and walked on the sidewalk, he had to hold his head down. So he was elevated and exalted inside the black church, but outside in the streets of Alabama, he was, uh, you know, the N word. He was that he was a boy. He could be hung. He could be this. He could be that. So I think that when it comes to, to the new generations, some people feel it would be disrespectful to tamper with how we were taught to exist as Christians because of all that we endured from, from stepping foot on American soil up until now. But what I love about this new generation is that they are more inquisitive and they're not scared to ask questions. Right. They're not scared to challenge. They're not scared to push back because they are seeing and evolve in how people are existing. So so that you got a, a son that will go home and say, Mom, how come I don't have no dad and Billy has two dads? Help me understand that. Make that make sense. And vice versa. You know, she got two moms and I only got you. You know, I want two parents. They don't see gender. I want two parents. I want mm -hmm. someone to bounce this stuff off of. So you're telling me, mom, that I can't play with my best friend because my best friend is transgender. But my best friend never picks on me, never bullies me, never talks about me. But I shouldn't love or be around my best friend because they he dresses like a girl. 
I don't understand this. So that's God. God is telling me not to be around people that are nice to me because of who they see. I don't understand this, mom. And when mom and dad are not biblically literate enough to give the child an answer that the child can reasonably accept because the child has access to Google, you know, it's not just the World Book Encyclopedias no more. The child can just Google everything to get their own understanding of human sexuality, their own understanding of Christianity, and then go back to the parent who has this intergenerational teaching about the Bible. You know, most folks, most Christians never even open their Bible. They learn about God from what is told to them. It's shared stories. Because right. remember, we couldn't read back in the day. So whatever the pastor is saying from the pulpit, because he was the only educated one, you know, we sit there and take it. So whatever's right is right, because we can't read these pages. That was passed down. I know a lot of folks, if you ask them, turn, turn to Zechariah. Ooh, turn to Obadiah. Ooh, turn to Jonah. That's a book. You know, they, they don't know. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Genesis, period. That's the extent of it. <laughs> and and revelations, because they don't want to go to hell. That's the extent of it. Well, that's why I tell people, I'm going to go back to what you was talking about earlier. It's okay to wrestle with God. Yes. It's okay to wrestle with your pastor. It's okay to wrestle and ask questions. You should ask the who, what, why, when, where. Ask some questions. And so, like you said, we're in a new era where we have people who are not afraid. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. Uh, I do agree with you. I'm tired, but I'm on a new mission. I'm on economics. I'm on money. I'm on acquiring things because when I die, I don't want the people to come behind me to struggle like we had to struggle. I want to pass some generational wealth down. Let, Let me see. be like the, the Paris Hiltons and the Budweiser's and the Trumps and all those people. I don't want to steal, but I want to build and pass it down. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. uh, because they stole a lot. That's another different story. But anyway, <laughs> Hey, people, wrestle with God, because when you wrestle, you think critically and you will get your aha moment when you wrestle and ask those questions. And what I what I also learned when is is that gay people, black gay men specifically, because that was my dissertation, have a have a longing to be accepted by the black church. You know, there, there is a longing. And I interviewed a host of black gay men for my research. And, and many of them, albeit I think one or two, had just wiped their hands completely and was like, I'm done. But the bulk wanted that acceptance and that affirmation because mm -hmm. it's like, what is different between me and you? We love the same God. We worship the same. When your hands go up, my hands go up. Why mm -hmm. am I being exiled? Mm -hmm. because of who I'm attracted to or who mm -hmm. I'm in love with. So mm -hmm. that acceptance and, and that, that, that want to be in the same space, you know, when church goes out, they want to go to big mama house with their cousins and all that to have the Sunday dinner, but they can't because they can't bring their partner, mm -hmm. you know, or if they do bring their partner, that's just their special friend and they got to sit across the room. So there is a hunger and a thirst for inclusion, but they don't want to go to a church that's totally gay either. You know, and, and because I don't want to go to a gay heaven. I I, I can't. I, I can't. I just, I just can't. I can't listen to City Girls for eternity. I don't want to go to a gay heaven. I, I don't want to turn up for eternity. You know, I want to go where there's some diversity so I can see all of God's goodness. And I think for, for a lot of SGO Christians, they have that same desire. 
you know, and it, it, it's, it's that I don't understand why we can't get along. I don't understand what the what is what is the big deal and why am I being singled out when everything else under the sun is happening within the black church? But it's kind of like, oh, well, he's just being a man. You know, right. that's just what men do. Uh, he's going through a hard time right now. That's why he beats his wife. You know, or, or she's stressed out. That's why she on the on alcohol and whatever. You know, so we need to level the playing field. If we all gonna talk about this. Let's all put it all on the table and then sift through it all and then start building that generational wealth and the community and leaving legacy and co-ops. Well, I tell those people that you talked about with the uh, not wanting to go to heaven and with SGL people and um, other people, James Cone said it best. They're crossing a lynching tree. If you uh, black, if you black, uh, that cross and that lynching tree should be symbolic to you, and they will use you just like they use Jesus and put you on that cross and that lynching tree. So we have to remember, as black folks, I preach this in the barbershop, we got to stick together no matter what. No matter what. Because Donald Trump, I, I hate saying his name, uh, he had those people out there on the Capitol. Some of those people were, I hate to say this word, trash. Trailer park trash. But they were out there fighting for him. Right. And solely because of this. Period. Period. Point blank. And I had that same experience when we had all the civil unrest and I was getting, you know, I was getting black men that were shunning young black gay men for being at the marches and the rallies. Why are all these fags here? Why are all these punks here? Because they're black. And they're Period. And, and when we get pulled up by the cops, they don't ask for our orientation. No. You know, all they see is color. And, and you're right. We need to we need to put all this other stuff aside and realize that we're all black at the end of the day. Period. Period. Point blank. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we're black because that's the first thing people see when you show up in the room. Yeah. That's you know, no matter no matter what your mannerism is, until I tell you who I am, then that's who I am. But until that's the first thing you. people see is you know your skin color. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have like we have a couple minutes left. We want to give you an opportunity to give like closing thoughts on this conversation and uh, parting words, if you will. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. First of all, let me just say thank you for this conversation. I think it was, it's necessary, it's needed, and I pray that more and more and more continue. We need to normalize these talks because people are running from it, and sometimes we feel like we're preaching to the choir, but I believe that there is someone lurking in the back watching and not commenting and they're really scratching their temples and like wow you're right this makes sense all i ask everyone is please follow me on youtube just go to youtube.com forward slash dante morrison just click that subscribe button and check out my show every monday and tuesday at 8 p.m pacific standard time i am pro-black all about black i support push and promote black entrepreneurs black businesses and i have talks and conversations that are designed to uplift the black community so any support in that area, I would greatly appreciate. If you want to be a guest on my show, just hit me up. Um, I'll get you on show. We'll talk about everything blickety black. But again, first and foremost, I am a black man that happens to be gay. I am not a gay black man because my blackness, you know, enters the room first. That's what they see first. And then you hear all the other stuff once I talk. So that is my that is my walk. That is how I exist. That is how I navigate. And I love God, love Christ. I love the black church. 
Um, it does need some reformation. It does need some work. But I believe these kind of conversations will get us all there. So thank you um, to Gwen and Davin for this conversation. I really appreciate it. And you, you, uh, you triggered something. Uh, we went to, uh, I think it was, it was David's graduation, I believe, when he graduated seminary, was master's. And uh, the speaker, the guest speaker, uh, she's deceased now, Dr. Bickle? Phyllis Tickle. Phyllis Tickle. Uh, she, in her speech, she talked about Reformation period. And this was about, what, seven years ago, seven, eight years ago? Longer? Ten years. And she said that we every 500 years, we have one, a reformation. And I believe that we are in the, a reformation right now because you see, like you said, the women took the forefront. And now you see same gender loving people and trans people and and all of the rainbow people coming forward, you know, not being denied access to God anymore and going to seminary schools, getting their doctrine degrees so that they can stand up against their education can stand up against anybody else's education. And to also be defenders of our community. It's people like you and David and myself that are defenders of our community because of the wealth of knowledge and the things that we know to come in and impart this in an intelligent conversation like tonight without a lot of ignorance and, and, to, help, and to help individuals. So this is revolutionary, you know? Um, and so I just thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you have another engagement after us and spending an hour with us tonight and sharing, you know, your wealth of knowledge with our viewers. And we hope that uh, they take away something and that they follow you on your YouTube channel and your show on Monday and Tuesday. You send me the flyer. I would definitely put it out there or tag me. I share it. And, uh, you know, hey, we'll be waiting on our invites to get on that show. Hey, listen. listen. Y'all bring the heat. Y'all my kind of people. We have a good, we have good conversation. I'm living for it. <laughs> iron sharp and iron. <laughs> you got I anything you want to say, David? Well, no, just uh, continue to stay in the fight. And while you're fighting, take care of yourself. Uh, get your rest. Eat your vitamins. Exercise. Don't let people kill you because people will literally kill you. Don't let them drain your spirit. So do what you got to do to take care of yourself and uh, just continue to stay in the fight and stay encouraged um, and, and, and you'll be fine. So uh, you know what to do. You know the secrets, but uh, just take care of you because if you don't take care of you, you can't help fight nobody. You're right. Put my mask on first. Real Hello. Talk. Real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Lord, use you. I receive it. I receive it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Morrison, for kicking Thank it with us tonight. You know, hey, listen, we will definitely circle back, and I'll be in touch with you uh, tomorrow. <laughs> I got you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. And y'all out there in social media land, thank you for hanging with us tonight and watching the Unleashed Voice. It's the end of our broadcast, so we finna get out of here. Y'all can stay if you want to, but we finna go. It's dinner time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.